I want to just tell you another story today. This one goes with the sermon. There was a man who was traveling in rural Georgia. And he came upon a little town called Bowman. And he pulled into a gas station. And the gas station attendant was sitting out front in a lawn chair. The man rolled down his window and he said to the gas station attendant, he said, excuse me, can you help me? I'm lost. The gas station attendant thought for a moment and he said, well, do you know where you are? (laughs) man said, of course I know where I am. I saw the sign when I came into town. I'm in Bowman, Georgia. He said, well, do you know where you want to go? The man said, of course, I want to go to Atlanta. Gas station attendant thought for a moment. He said, hey, buddy, you ain't lost. You just need directions. And that's what it is a lot of times for us in our Christian lives. We're not lost. We've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. We have a relationship with Him. We know that when we die, we're going to heaven. We are not lost. And we know exactly where we are. We know where we are in our relationship to Christ. Some of us are new Christians. Some of us have been Christians for many years. Some of us have grown significantly in our relationship with Christ over those years. Some of us have not grown very much. And some of us maybe, eh, we grew to this point, but maybe we've kind of gone backwards just a little bit. But we know whether we will admit it whether we want others to know it or whatever, if we are honest with ourselves, we know exactly where we are in our relationship to Christ. And we know where we want to go. It's a place called maturity. And maturity is an interesting place because it's a place that we are never really going to reach on this side of eternity. But like the apostle, well, like the... uh, Uh, The Apostle Paul tells us, you know, we want to forget what's behind and we want to press on. In other words, we are to grow every day in our relationship to Christ. We are to press on every day toward maturity. So, if we're not lost, if we know where we are, And if we know where we want to go, then how in the world do we get there? How do we get directions? In our Christian life, how do we get directions? Well, obviously, through prayer. When we come to God, we are coming asking for directions in our lives. When we read God's Word, we are certainly looking at the map of what He has in mind for us as believers. But even though we have prayer, and even though we have the Bible to give us directions, people will often say to me, you know, I I just don't feel God's direction in my life. I'm really struggling. I, I pray, I read the Bible, but I really just don't feel God's direction in my life. What do I do? Well, I want us to read a passage of Scripture. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. 
In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. We love that part at the end. He will make your paths straight. God's going to make my path straight. I love that part. But what we need to realize is that there is something required of us before we get to that point. So if you're not feeling God's direction in your life, you need to read this passage and remember that it says several things. It says to trust in the Lord with all your heart. It says that you're not to lean on your own understanding. It says in all your ways acknowledge Him, then He will direct your paths. So let's talk about those things today. First of all, trust in the Lord with all your heart. If you think about it, trust is how you came to Christ in the first place. When you became a Christian, you trusted that God, that God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, became a man in the person of Jesus Christ and came to earth. You trusted that Jesus... That incarnate God lived a sinless life. You trusted that Jesus went to the cross and died on the cross in your place for your sins. You trusted that he was buried and that three days later he rose from the dead. You trusted that he ascended into heaven and you trust today that one day he'll return. I want to tell you something. That's a lot of trust because none of those things make any sense. Think about it. God becoming a man, living a sinless life, dying on the cross, being buried, coming back to life, ascending into heaven, and returning again. None of that makes any sense by human reasoning. But that's what you trusted when you became a Christian, when you came to Christ. So, if you can trust in those things, then can't you also trust His Word? Can't you also trust His promises? Can't you also trust His plan for your life? Because I want to tell you, God has never lied. There has never been a promise that he has not kept. And his word is true. And his word endures forever. You can trust in God. But sometimes, like I said, we sort of kind of lean on our own reasoning. And that's why the next thing that he tells us here in this passage, hopefully will keep us out of trouble. Because when we, we start not trusting and sort of relying on our own reasoning, we get into trouble. So the second thing he says here is that we are not to lean on our own understanding. You know, people watch Jesus die on the cross. And they said, well, <laughs> I guess God's forsaken him. You know, every day on, on television, we, we see acts of terrorism here at home and, and abroad. And, and, and we say, well, why in the world would God let something happen? If God is really in control of the universe, if God is really in control of things, why in the world would God let this happen? You've gone for medical tests. 
you know something's just not right. So before you go for the medical tests, you pray, you have your family pray, you have your neighbors pray, you have your friends pray, you have your church pray, you have your Facebook friends pray. But when the test results come back, they're not good. They're not what you expected, and they're certainly not what you wanted, and of course they're not what you prayed for. So we say, well, I guess God doesn't answer prayer after all. We sit at the bedside of someone who's been very close to us, fine Christian saint, maybe someone who first told us about Christ or someone who who taught us how to be a Christian by their, their example, wonderful saint. And we sit there by their bedside and we watch them die of cancer or something and, and it's, their body is just racked with pain and they are suffering. And we say, why in the world? Why in the world would a loving God let someone like this, a wonderful saint, why would God let them die a painful death like this? And we all lose jobs and we all go through relationships that have gone bad. We all go through financial difficulty. And the temptation is to come to God and say, wait a minute. This is not what I signed up for. When I became a Christian, you know what attracted me to this God? Was the fact that Jesus said that he had come to give me life and he had come to give it abundantly. And God, what I signed up for was the abundant part. I didn't sign up for the pain and suffering part. And what happens is, when we do that, we all ask the question, which is, why? We all want to know why. Why is this happening? Why is this person dying? Why am I having these troubles? Why, why, why? We ask that question, and guess what? You can't know the answer. We ask it over and over. But there are some things in life that we will not know the answer to the question, why? But here's a question we can ask that we will always receive an answer. And that question is who? In all of these situations in life, who is in charge? Who is in control? Who can I trust with my life? I love what Dwayne Garrett says. He says, the one who trusts wholeheartedly in God believes that the administration of the universe is in good hands, trustworthy hands, even though he must often hold this belief through tears and darkness. So we trust in the Lord with all our heart, and we stop leaning on our own understanding. But the third thing he says here, he says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. What does it mean to acknowledge God? Here's how we, most of us, and I'm guilty of this a lot, here's how we acknowledge God. We wake up in the morning, we stretch, we go, good morning, God, thank you for another day, I'm so happy to be here. I just wanted to kind of check up, check in with you here before I head off to work. He says, God, thank you so much, glad you're here. Hey, God, when I get back tonight... 
If I have time, I might read a little Bible. And if I can stay awake long enough, maybe you and I can talk a little bit more tonight. That's usually the way we acknowledge God. And as I said, I'm guilty of that sometimes myself. But that's not what the writer of Proverbs means here. What does it mean to acknowledge God? It means this. In all aspects of life, God is to be taken into account. In all aspects of life, God is to be taken into account. In other words, God is to be acknowledged at home and at school and at work and in your business dealings and in everything you do. That God is to influence your thoughts and your actions. That choices are made in His light. And what does it require from us? It requires surrender and obedience. Only when we do these things, trust in the Lord with all our heart, stop leaning on our own understanding, and acknowledge Him in all our ways, only when we do that, then will he make our paths straight. Depending on the translation you have, it might say he will direct your paths, which is correct. Because if you're talking about direct, it, it's almost like God kind of takes you around the waist and he turns you and points you in the right direction. Or he might be standing there shining a light and pointing down a particular way. That's maybe what direct means. But what does it mean to make them straight? Well, it means that he'll remove obstacles from your way. So which is correct? <laughs> both. <laughs> I like both. The fact that God will actually point me in the right direction, that he will shine the light where I need to go. But not only that, but if I'm following the path that God wants me to follow, he will also remove obstacles in my way so that I can follow that path that he's chosen for me. So how, how do we know if we're on the right path? It'd be tough. Well, fortunately, we have the Holy Spirit. We have to rely on the Holy Spirit and, you know, people will, will say to me all the time, they'll say, well, you know, I, I just don't feel the Holy Spirit. I, I think the Holy Spirit just is, is, is far from me. And I ask them, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? And they say, well, of course. Where is the Holy Spirit if you're a believer in Jesus Christ? Inside of you. The Holy Spirit hasn't gone anywhere. The Holy Spirit lives in you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You don't have to look far for the Spirit. The Spirit's right there. Maybe you and your thoughts have wandered a little bit, but the Spirit is right there. But I like what Paul says writing to the Galatians in Galatians 5, 16. He says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. And he, he goes on in that passage to talk about this tug of war that goes on inside of us. 
There's that tug of war between the Spirit's leading and our sinful nature wanting to lead us in another direction. There's that constant tug of war that goes on there. So again, how do you know if you're allowing yourself to be tugged or pulled in the right direction? It's actually obvious. And the way that you know is that you look at the scenery. If you are going to take your family to the beach, you load up the car, you got your swimsuits, your inner tubes, you got the umbrellas, you got the sunscreen, you got everything, and you're going to the beach. So as you're driving along, you look out the window and you see snow. (laughs) And you roll down the window and it's chilly outside. Guess what? You're not going to the beach. In our Christian life, in the spiritual life, scenery plays a big part. Which would you rather do? Would you rather walk through a garbage dump Or would you rather walk through an orchard that's full of wonderful fruit trees? It's it's really not much of a choice. But sometimes, for some strange reason, we don't recognize where we are. And again, it's pretty obvious. That's what Paul says, at least, writing to Galatians in chapter 5, beginning verse 19. Here's the garbage dump. He says, now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar, in case I forgot something. I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If those are the things that you see and others see in your life, you are on the wrong path. If any of these things show up in your life, If a whole bunch of them do, you're definitely on the wrong path. If one or two of them, maybe you've strayed off the path, but still you're not going in the direction that God wants you to go. And you know what? Again, I've said this three times. Paul says it's obvious. For those of us who are believers in Christ, if these things are happening in our lives, come on, they're obvious. They're obvious. You know they're there. You may hide them from others, but you know they're there. They're obvious to you. And if that's the scenery in your life, then guess what? Something needs to change. However, here are the fruit trees. Verse 22 of Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, Self-control against such things, there is no law. If those things are being exhibited in your life, if that's the scenery, then you're probably on the right path. 
In fact, I wouldn't say probably. I would say you are on the right path, the path that God has laid out for you. So today, as you look at your life as a believer in Christ, which list do you see in your life? Should be obvious. Which list do you see? Well, if you're on the wrong path, if your life is going through the garbage dump, guess what? There's good news for you today. Because you can come to Christ and admit that you're on the wrong path, that there's sin in your life. You can confess your sin, and Scripture tells us in no uncertain terms that if we confess that He's faithful and just and will forgive. But then what you need to do is go back, start trusting God, stop leaning on your own understanding, acknowledge Him in all your ways so that He can set you on the right path. Now, you're sitting there today and you're going, well, you know what? Hey, I think my life is full of all of those good things that you mentioned. That's wonderful. That is absolutely wonderful. But you know what? If you're not careful, it's easy to get on the wrong path or to wander off the one that you're on. So that doesn't let you off the hook. Every day, you have to come to God and trust Him. You have to stop leaning on your own understanding. You have to acknowledge Him in all your ways, and then He will direct your path. Which path are you walking on today? Is it the right one? Or is it the wrong one? Because, hey, buddy, you ain't lost. <laughs> you just need directions.